Hi ho, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is bespeak. Yesterday at court, it fell to me to brush the ermine trim on the queen's gown. This is a high honour for a lady-in-waiting. Indeed, any duty done for the queen's majesty is one to be prized. Imagine my distress when the brush was nowhere to be found and the queen was becoming impatient for her garment. I cried, oh heavens, to whom can I bespeak for a brush? Bespeak? Oh now, Tudor Files, what think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting. So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Thank you so much for listening to the Story Project. We've had so many new downloads. Tudor Files are an amazing bunch. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. Our Tudor word this week is very popular in the 21st century. Now we use the past form of bespeak, bespoke, when talking about fancy fashion, meaning it was made especially for you. But in the Tudor period, bespeak meant to ask, to request, or to entreat. And the use of our word comes from the play Edward II by Christopher Marlowe. The play was first performed in 1592 by the Earl of Pembroke's men at the theatre. And the theatre was the first playhouse erected in London that was purposefully built for putting on plays. It opened in 1576, and all the companies of the period performed there. Leicester's men, Howard's men, Oxford's players, Berkeley's men... Queen's men, Strange's men, Chamberlain's men, lots of men, no women. But you can imagine with so many companies wanting to share one space, there was a lot of logistical problems. And by 1598, there was so much legal wrangling over who had the right to the building that Richard Burbage and the Chamberlain's men, who would later become the King's men in 1603, took the building and rebuilt it on the other side of the Thames River. It was a daring piece of work. In the dark of night, members of the Chamberlain's men stole into Shoreditch and took the building apart. Then, plank by plank, they transferred their plunder across the river, where the audacious fellows rebuilt the theatre and hailed it the Globe. So in the morning, members of the other theatre companies must have arrived at the spot and been surprised that there was no theatre there. <laughs> and they did bespoke Burbage to return the building, but he would not. Christopher Marlowe had already died by this time. He was killed in 1593 by Ingram Fraser at a tavern in Deptford. Under questionable circumstances. Perhaps Master Marlowe was a spy and he was assassinated. Or perhaps it was a brawl over money that grew violent and deadly. Well, the other men there with Marlowe were all connected to Queen Elizabeth's spymaster, Francis Walsingham, and that did give rise to the assassination theory. But the actual deposition that was made two days after the event states that Marlowe and Fraser were arguing over the bill and that Marlowe grabbed Fraser's dagger and struck him on the head with it. And Fraser was trying to wrangle the dagger away from Marlowe and accidentally stabbed him in the eye. It sounds like there had been a lot of drinking going on and things got crazy. Well, it does seem like that's what the authorities decided because Fraser was found to have acted in self-defense and he was not tried for the murder of Marlowe. 
but conspiracy theories about Marlowe abound. There's one particularly kooky one that he did not die, but faked his death, escaped England, and continued to write plays under the assumed name William Shakespeare. My dear Gage, I bespeak you to explain. Do you mean to say that persons of your time actually believe that Master Marlowe did not die, but lived on in secret and wrote the plays of Master Shakespeare? Yes, Philadelphia, that is the idea. Yet how could one believe such a twisted tale? If he lived, why would Master Marlowe pretend his own death? And if he lived, why would Master Marlowe not write under his own name? At the time he was killed, Master Marlowe's fame was far greater than Master Shakespeare's. And how could Marlowe have conveyed the plays from far away without notice? Our playwrights write and rewrite much of their work while in the theatre, amidst the other actors. If Master Shakespeare did not write his plays, surely the other members of his company would have known. It's a conspiracy theory, Philadelphia. It does not need to make any sense. <laughs> so, Philadelphia, can you give us a simplified summary of this complicated play, Edward II? Edward II reigned from 1284 to 1327. In the play, Edward is beset by the nobles of his court, especially by Roger Mortimer, the Earl of March. The nobles accuse Edward of being besotted by his courtier, Piers Gaveston, to the destruction of his court and his realm. But Edward refuses to give up his beloved. Led by Mortimer, the nobles rebel. Gaveston is murdered. Edward too is slain. Mortimer is corrupted by ambition, and at the end of the play, he is killed. The young prince takes the throne as Edward III to restore order to the realm. Our use of bespeak comes from a speech of Isabella, Edward II's neglected queen. Isabella begs Edward, My gentle lord, bespeak these nobles fair, that wait attendance for a gracious look, and on their knees salute your majesty. Isabella is trying to get Edward to negotiate with the rebellious lords. This is early on in the play when there's still hope for resolution. But Isabella also hates Gaveston, whom she sees as a rival for Edward's love. The poetry in the play is really, really beautiful. And the relationship between Edward and Gaveston is incredibly intense. It's interesting to think how a Tudor audience would have perceived this, what we would call same-sex relationship. Yes, Marlowe shows it as destructive to the court, but... It's also a really powerful, genuinely affectionate and true love affair. When Gaveston is killed, it's just heartbreaking. And Mortimer's hatred of Gaveston seems more about Piers being of a lower social order than because of any defined thing about his sexuality. And Mortimer is outraged that Edward has raised Gaveston from a lower status. That's what seems to be making him really angry. And when Edward loses his crown, he's locked away in this horrible, dark, wet dungeon. He has some amazing speeches about fallen majesty and how fate can turn in a second. Marlowe deals with this controversial figure of Edward II with a lot of sympathy. It's a very interesting play. And it's really too bad that Marlowe died so young, right at the height of his powers as a writer. Who knows what fabulous plays we would have had if he had lived. Well, Gage, he did not live. He died in a Deptford tavern, and Master Shakespeare wrote his own plays. And I bespeak you, pay no heed to anyone who says he did not. Okay, I won't. So give heed, Tudophiles. Bring some 16th century sauce to your vocabulary with bespeak. 
Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Bye.